This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With Playing with the World's Toys, we talk about how to tie spells and magical abilities to the colors of the suns. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast Playing with the World's Toys, we talk about the mechanics of Invisible Sun. This time we're going to be talking about the colors of spells and magical abilities. And we're going to figure out how to identify where spells should go as they're being cast, uh, which is something I've been running into a bit more frequently uh, at my own table. So uh, I'm going to go over all the colors that we have and give you a brief description of what each of them uh, covers. And then we can get into the the details of what all that means. And then I think we're going to talk about uh, some of the spells that are out there and uh, take a look at some of the examples that we can pull from there. So first things first, you can find this information in the way on pages 10 through 11. There's a section in there called colors. Uh, so you can just read through that and it's going to give you this nice little overview. So the first thing it opens up with is that uh, spells and magical ability abilities are almost always tied to a color. I am not super interested in finding the spells or abilities that are not tied to a color at this point. Uh, that sounds like an exception that could be interesting, but I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> so uh, the colors, we're going to walk through the Path of Suns here. So our first color we have is silver, which is creation, and that's creating something from nothing. Um, then we have green, which is the quickening. This is a broad category. And it involves motion and anything that's alive. Uh, we have the blue sun next, which is the mind, which covers telepathy, mind reading, memory alteration, dream modification. Pretty much uh, any emotional effect is going to be something blue. Uh, the, the thing that they noted here is that this is something that never directly impacts the physical world. Uh, next up, we have... Indigo, which is truth, and this is where you're going to find spells and effects that um, handle divinations, revelations, uh, improve the senses. Uh, this would also be for communication, uh, not telepathy, uh, and translation. Uh, then we have gray, which is illusion. Uh, these are practices that hide and deceive, disguise or confuse, um, or just involve falsehoods. Uh, next up, we have Pale, which I think, uh, I don't know, this one won't be super, this one won't be hard to really talk about, but uh, it, it's a little bit weird to think about. Uh, so these are effects that physically reach beyond the normal bounds, uh, and that would be conjuring, banishing, and restoring souls and the like. Uh, next up, we have Ruin, which would be harming something else. Uh, and then we have Gold, which is transformation. So these are practices that physically change something into something else. Uh, finally, we have uh, the invisible sun, 
which covers protection spells. And these are practices that grant protection of any kind. Uh, and these are considered to be the most fundamental of magical effects. So, all right. Does all that make sense, Scott? I can see where there will be problems implementing some of these categories, but it does make sense. Yeah. All right. Um, let's let's talk about silver real quick. So silver is the uh, son of creation, and this is the practice of creating something from nothing, which I think is important because uh, as as we've ruled it at our table, I feel like silver and gold can kind of get mixed up a little bit uh, because they both involve like transforming and getting something. But with silver, you're creating that something whole cloth. It's right something that's totally new. As opposed to taking something and making it into something else. Yeah. So uh, here's an example spell for silver. Uh, this is heaven and earth are mine. This is a general spell. It's level nine. Uh, and what it says is, I can pluck a star from the sky or call up a mass of molten metal from the ground. Either way, I now have an enormous burning hot weapon that I can wield to attack a medium area, etc., etc. So this, this is where I find like it to be. Yeah, it sounds a lot like gold because you're taking a star or you're getting a mass of molten metal and now you have a weapon. Like it sounds like you, you you're taking something and turning it into something else so like how do you how do you make that make sense well it it, it makes more sense in a meta interpretation than in a literal in-game interpretation mm -hmm. the meta interpretation is there's something that's not part of your narrative that suddenly becomes part of your narrative and so it's creating narratively nothing in or it's creating narratively something out of narratively nothing Mm -hmm. But it does so by rewriting the narrative to say where it came from. Sure. Uh, so I guess you could probably make this a gold spell if you required something in order to cast it. Like instead of right. pulling a star from the sky or just, you know, getting a mass of molten metal from the ground, you know, the that sentence could instead say, uh, I, I take a stick from an herb. Yeah, like uh, I take a, a staff that I am holding in my hand and turn it into this, you know, extremely powerful weapon. Shillelagh. Yeah, uh, that would be clearly gold. Uh, um, I think the proper pronunciation is shilliga. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, whatever the pronunciation of that particular spell might be, um, I think you're right that that transforming a staff into something else is clearly gold. Oh, oh so that would be stick the snake. Yes. Uh, manifesting a staff that didn't previously exist into your hand would be clearly silver. But would it be clearly silver? Hold, hold on a second. We're going to get to this in a little bit. Is it clearly silver or are you conjuring something? Oh, well, if it existed in some other world before you, and you were transporting it across the boundary of worlds, okay. then it might be um pale that's the pale to me is really the hardest one to adjudicate uh because it's not just necromancy it's beyond that uh okay so conjuration what you're saying is you are bringing something forth that already existed somewhere else right so you're in some sense okay. relocating it okay yeah mm. so like maybe you're transporting it from another dimension something like that but 
but not movement, right? And, and it may depend upon whether there's an active volition on the part of uh, whatever is moving. So a person moving from Earth from one sun to another is moving actively, yeah. voluntarily, and that's green. Uh, whereas um, pale is, especially in relation to inanimate objects that don't have volition, is just pulling them out of somewhere without that active volition. So we don't think of them as moving necessarily, at least from the perspective of the staff. The staff isn't moving. In some sense, the world's moving around it. So if I'm trying to figure out if a, a spell is silver, which is the sun we're talking about, not, not green <laughs> or pale, but we'll get there. So if I'm trying to figure out if a spell is silver, if I'm creating something, it's something that didn't exist before. It didn't exist somewhere else. And I am crafting it from a starting point of zero. Like I had nothing. I cast the spell and now I have this new thing. In the case of heaven and earth are mine, I have this new powerful weapon that I just created. That's my interpretation. Okay, cool. All right. I can get on board with that. So how about we move on to green? Okay. Part of green is really easy. Uh, part of green just covers everything living. Um, but I guess I shouldn't say it's really easy because it, it, ha it involves anything that's alive. So this could, you know, the example they have here is closing a wound. Um, this, this would have to do with life. It's not about uh, destruction. So you're not going to be using green to inflict harm directly upon somebody like that. Mm -hmm. But I guess, would this be a green effect if you were to uh, cast a spell that bends the like uh, trees and vines to your will so that you can, you know, tie somebody up and perhaps choke them? Even if that would be the opposite of movement? I, I would think so. Well, it's not uh, because it's, movement of the vines, it's not, it, it is involving the movement of the vines, if not the movement of the target. But it's also like the vines are living things. The, the, the vines yes. are living things, which you're interacting with here. Yes. Which is why I think that would make it green. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Green is anything that's alive and also motion. So uh, as you were saying, like movement, um, I guess that's pretty, pretty straightforward. The movement part. And again, I think that I distinguish movement from conjuration in that movement's happening both within a sun uh, or it is happening by an act of a choice on the part of who, whoever is moving. Well, how about this? Uh, here's the example spell that I pulled. Uh, I, have, okay. I have a couple, actually. Uh, refusal. This is a level six green spell. Uh, if you know a nearby being's... No, 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 not this one. I want so revo revocation of position is the one I want. Uh, this is level eight. You cast this spell on a faraway being that has moved instantaneously via, via magic since the last sun rose. Uh, it can be somebody who teleported or was summoned or somebody who stepped through a magical porter, portal. Uh, the being is returned to wherever they were when the magic was initiated. Um, so this is a green spell and you're moving something else potentially across the boundaries of the suns. Yeah. I, I, and this is, I think a lot of these spells you could imagine having secondary colors. Mm -hmm. And if I, uh, for the, the spells as written as if, as in on the card, I would just say, look, go with it. <laughs> well, yeah. um, in part because they're balanced across the set in terms of having enough spells of certain colors and things like that. However, 
Um, if we're trying to classify other spell effects that do not have spell cards, like weavings. And this is where it comes up a lot. Yeah, I would let players define those if they could convince me it's within a reasonable interpretation. So in this case, the revocation of position, I would think could reasonably be argued to be either green or pale. Unless you have decided the table that pale, it says it affects the uh, effects that physically reach beyond the normal bounds. But as, if you limit that to souls, because the examples are conjuring, banishing, and restoring a soul. Mm-hmm. So if, if somehow pale is limited to soul magic, then affecting things that do not have souls would uh, and their position would be uh, green magic. Though revocation of positions affecting a creature, I believe it says, what is it? A being. There, There is another significant spell in green called Pathwalker. And this is one of the, uh, as, as far as I can tell, it's one of the easiest ways to open up the Path of Suns to a group of players. It's a level four spell that allows you to walk along the Path of Suns, either to the next sun or to the previous sun's night side aspect. And that's a green spell, and that's about transportation. It's about movement. Yes. But you're also moving between suns. Yeah, if you are, I think these are, if movement of yourself is almost always green, uh, and but again, with these, not if it's not listed on a card because it's a, a weaving or something along similar lines, I would certainly listen to the possibility that it, this could be silver, especially if it's affecting some other entity Pale. and is working as if it were a conjuring or a banishing yeah well, that that makes sense and weavings always involve negotiation so it, it doesn't surprise me that much that we you have to negotiate over the color of the spell a little bit as well yeah and i think that's part of the fun of you know weaving spells it's like uh <laughs> is this motion i uh, i don't remember exactly how we judged it the first time but the first time my weaver decided to teleport somewhere um you know that would have been a green effect teleportation is movement it's motion it's Moving from one place to another instantaneously, and that's green. The, the big question would be, I believe there are secrets that make it easier or give you bonuses to casting spells of a certain color. We should talk about secrets at some point and figure that out. <laughs> yeah, because I wonder if those would affect all spell effects that have that color and not just spells that have that assigned color. Uh, because mm -hmm. that that could open things up a lot for weavers. Well, I mean, weavers, they're going to cast spells. So if it's something that affects spells, it's going to help them there. Yeah, I need to check uh, the language. I wasn't careful enough in my reading. Let's let's talk about the next sun. Let's talk about blue. So uh, blue magic is telepathy and mind reading. Um, this is all stuff that has to do with the mind um, and dreams and emotions. And uh, so this is... This is something that never directly impacts the physical world. And I think the way, the, the spot that you could get tripped up here is um, deceiving the mind, creating falsehoods that trick the mind, because that sort of magic, those sort of effects would fall under gray. Whereas blue, <laughs> this is where you have a little bit of overlap. Blue has memory alteration, but it's, it's somehow different. Um, so the spell that I grabbed here, I think, is a good, another good example of how the spells can kind of break the rules that are written down in the book. Uh, and this is going to break the, like, it doesn't directly impact the physical world. 
I mean, it doesn't break it. It just follows it follows that guideline. But uh, so the spell is self mutilations, level three. Uh, I send a nearby person into a whole new realm of fear and madness, compelling them to inflict their standard amount of damage on themselves. So you are <laughs> impacting the physical world, but you're doing it by affecting their mental state. You could make a case here for blue, for pale, for um, uh, gray, or for red. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think the flavor here is what distinguishes it from red. Like the flavor here is, yeah, you're 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 messing with the person's mind in order to have them do the damage. It manifests physically, but only because you've adjusted their emotional state. Though it gets quite dangerous to start breaking down causal chains of spells. Uh, to classify what does damage and what does not. But yeah, I I, I, I agree with you. But this is certainly a, a strong overlap between blue and uh, gray. Definitely. Yeah, there, there's a strong overlap. I think the first time we created... No, I, I think I actually might have done this right. I created like a uh, an illusory wall that hit a door. And I think I may have called that gray, but there was also a trap on it that was a blue spell effect that... Uh, trapped the characters in a dream. Um, I mean, trapping them in a dream feels a little bit like a deception uh, because it seems real, but yeah, you know, it's a it's a dream modification. Yeah, and, and another thing I might use to to lean one way or the other is uh, if the magic if the if it deals damage like especially uh, like anguish. That is probably blue, whereas you know, illusion is is usually something that does not exist in the world, doesn't have an effect on the world, and is also something that might be shared across multiple viewers mm -hmm. uh, or perceivers. But these are very soft rules for distinguishing blue from gray because this is, uh, yeah, <laughs> those overlap a lot. Yeah, uh, uh, it's all up to your interpretation. So let's talk about truth, indigo. Um, so a lot of the divination spells that you're going to find in the game are indigo. There's one that's blue for some reason, and I'm not sure exactly why. Um, but most of them are going to be indigo. And it makes sense because divinations are spells that get you answers. They, they give you the truth about the world. Um, those are revelations. All that makes sense. Like, cool. That makes sense to me. Um, this also... You know, kind of uh, steps on Blue's toes a little bit with communication. Uh, however, it's not telepathy. It's uh, communication in some other form. Uh, and also translation, which that makes sense too. Um, so I've got an example here called uh, Canaris Plea. And this will show you what the communication aspect of truth or indigo is going to be. I sing a plea for help and am heard by someone I designate no matter how far away they are. Sounds like telepathy to me. <laughs> it sounds a lot like that. But it's got a, a facet of sound. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it sounds like telepathy. It could be telepathy. But the flavor of this spell, which is more important than the mechanical, like the mechanical reasoning for it, is that you are shouting for help 
and whoever needs to hear it hears it and that's the thing with invisible sun uh at least for me like the mechanics are there to support the story you're telling but the me- the mechanics aren't the most important part of the game yeah by and large i i, I interpret the mechanics very rarely to say no yes correct that's that's where i'm at <laughs> Um, do we have anything to talk about with Indigo? I mean, it kind of makes no, sense. No, I think that's one of the clearer ones, actually, because it, it is mostly uh, divination. Yes. All right. Uh, we've talked about the gray, the gray sun a little bit. So gray, illusion. Um, I, the, I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of what happens in gray just by talking about what blue is like and what blue might not be. Uh, so the example I have here is Object Arcanum. This is a level one spell. I hide an object that I can hold in one hand somewhere on my person. It doesn't matter whether I have something on me or with me that's large enough to conceal it. Um, so that's that's a gray spell. You're, you're deceiving you know, somebody who's trying to find something on your person. Uh, the the other example I had was creating an illusory wall to hide a door from the players. Um, would would this be where you would put uh, spell effects that you would use to, I guess, con your way into an exclusive party that you're not allowed into? So, if the if the social effect was one of deception. So, uh, like pretending to be someone you're not, pretending to be uh, invited when you're not, uh, you know, Doctor Who's magical paper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that sort of stuff would, I think, would clearly be gray. Uh, and notice this description of Object Arcanum does not include any reference to the mind of the perceiver. Correct. It, it's talking about the effect on the object itself as if that effect is independent of whoever is doing the perceiving, which, again, is, might be a way to distinguish blue from gray sometimes, but I don't believe that's going to be a perfect rule. It just, it's there that might give you a sense of how to lean one way if you have to make a decision. Well, and here's the other thing. Um, the, the spell object, what was it called? Object Arcanum. Yes. Um, you're, you're physically hiding something. And with blue, if you were going for the same effect, yeah, you, you wouldn't be physically hiding something. You would be obscuring something from people's minds. Right. Independent of the specific identity of the person. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, then there's red. All right. Let's talk about gold. Or do do we need to <laughs> red, talk about red's red? Like, easy. Yeah, red's easy. Like if you wanna, if you just wanna hurt something or someone or destroy something, <laughs> it's red. Unless uh, you affect but, their mind, then it may be blue. Well, if you want to affect their mind, well, how are you affecting your their mind? Are you shooting them with a, a like a fire blast or telepathic blast? Yeah, that's blue. That sounds like blue to me. That's what I'm saying. It causes damage in the usually anguish or, or mental yep. damage, uh, which may be blue rather than red. But most when we're talking about fireballs, or, or for that matter, acid spray or these classic Dungeons and Dragons spells, they're red. Yeah. So there are those classic spells, uh, and the example spell I have here is a curse of feathers. Um, this is level five, and after I read it, you're going to say, oh, that, that sounds like that could have been gold. Uh, but anyway, the being I curse, uh, who must be within long range, randomly sprouts bird-like things from its own flesh, 
tearing and screeching as they do. Each time this happens, they lose an action and suffer four, four points of damage. That's a red spell. It sounds kind of like you're transforming them, but it's red. <laughs> this is an interesting point to note also. This is a powerful spell. Sure is. And it is a level five spell. I mean, it does not deplete until the curse is lifted. And every round, the victim loses an action and suffers four points of damage. Yeah, so they, they suffer four points of damage as an action. The other thing I didn't read was it happens immediately and whenever they or whenever a zero on oh, a die okay. is rolled, checking each round. Oh, okay. So this, it, it's not, I thought it was each round until the curse is lifted, but it's, it's only when they roll a zero. Uh, and then it's the trick is uh, NPCs don't roll. Well, it would be the player who cast it would be rolling to check each round. Okay. I'm pretty sure that how, that's how that works. So in that case, you might want to roll zeros. Well, you do, because the depletion is when the curse is lifted. Uh, and lifting curses is something else. Like, I think you, if yes. you cast the curse on, curse on somebody, I think you can lift it. And there may be some way for the cursee to lift the, the thing that is cursing them. But we'd have to look at okay. that. That's a that sounds like a different. That's an odd because it, it makes you want to roll zeros if you're the cursor, um, rather than I would think you it'd be, if it's a curse, it'd be punishing you for rolling zeros as the one who is cursed. But anyway, it does it does have that sense of transformation. Yeah, we we yeah. should look up how curses work and talk about those at some point. Yeah, uh, let's talk about gold. The gold is transformation. Uh, so. This is different from, you know, the example we had with silver. Um, the, the spell I have here is enhanced physique. I add mass to my body in the form of sinew, bone, and muscle. This grants me three bene to physicality. So you're transforming your physical form. You're becoming bigger and stronger, and that's gold. You're taking something that is already in existence, and you are changing it. So this is not silver. And did we did we talk about pale? We did talk briefly about pale and uh, mixed in with a bunch of other things. We did, but we didn't touch on it specifically. Sorry, people. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's kind of scary. We were avoiding it. Yeah, eh, pale's pale's weird. Um, so yeah, gold enhanced physique. You're you're transforming something into something else. And that one's kind of straightforward, I, I, like in my mind now. I think for the most part. Um, it can also be abstract changes, like changing the weather, for example. Uh, and then the last color we have is, well, do we want to talk about pale? We should talk about pale. Well, let's talk about pale briefly. Uh, so pale, this is reaching beyond the normal bounds. To briefly describe pale, it, it is supposed to reach beyond the, the boundaries of normal uh, uh, access uh, to other dimensions or other worlds. Uh, also, it directly affects conjuring, uh, summoning, banishing, uh, and other things you do to spirits. The spirit stuff's pretty easy to adjudicate. The beyond bounds is a little vague. Yeah, so here's a, here's a better example. Loose the village. Uh, with a quick cut along my palm, which incurs an injury, and a few ancient words, I cause a dozen thick ropes to descend from the sky all around me, each bearing a level three reptilian humanoid warrior called a village. These warriors bear scimitars and attack everyone they come across, even me, if I don't get away somehow. 
until they are banished or slain. So you're summoning these humanoid creatures from somewhere, and uh, then they're just, you know, you just cut them free and they go crazy. Yep. But then it also has to do with uh, restoring, uh, restoring souls, messing with souls, and things like that. Yeah, I don't think this one's too difficult um, unless you start combining it with other uh, effects like ruin and damage and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so the last one we have is invisible. And these are protective spells. So for example, uh, involucrum. So involucrum, involucrum. I surround myself with a sheath of swirling matter using whatever available objects are close at hand in a library it might be books uh the objects do not alter the effect of the spell and it grants you plus one point of armor so a lot of invisible spells are going to be protective like this they're going to give you armor they're going to you know protect you in some other way but invisible is protection and that's that's pretty straightforward unless you want to think of this as transformation because you're surrounding yourself with something or you're turning yourself into, uh, or like building armor onto your body or something like that. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think that when you look at what the intent of the spell is, you're trying to build yeah. armor up around yourself. And I would say that's probably invisible. And that's might be a, a great note to end on actually that it, these, systems may be clearest if you just ask about the intent of the spell itself mm -hmm. if the intent is first and foremost to cause damage it's red whether it does so through any of these other means whether it's summoning a block of stone to drop on wily e. coyote or whatever it is if its intent is to cause ruin it's red if its intent is to protect it's invisible if its intent is to move it's green whereas its intent is to summon or uh, banish it's probably pale um, and just use the intent and it's going to solve 90% of cases. Yeah. And when you're, when you're talking with your weaver, like have these arguments because I don't know, for me, the arguments are kind of fun to talk about what does it actually mean to mess with somebody's head in such a way that they hurt themselves. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and help people find us. <laughs>